if you get better and better at ROI logic at the unit level or the product level, then the question over the long term is not whether you can make a profit, it's whether you can make a business. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's Amazon Profit quiz.com to get your free instant analysis. Hey folks, this is Michael Vizi from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Return on investment concepts applied to e-commerce is one of our e-commerce first principles. And in the last couple episodes, we discussed what is first principles thinking. And then we've also done an episode on asymmetrical risk and reward. But today's session is all about return on investment super strategies. Michael, I know this concept is exciting to you. So how do you see this ROI idea applying to your business in particular? And why don't you just set the stage here for us for this session? So I think a return on investment is, on the one hand, a pretty simple concept that people apply a lot when they're discussing getting into e-commerce in early stages. And on the other hand, it's a way of thinking. And I guess that what we're talking about today with the super strategies and the way you framed it, as you usually have that knack of putting things in a nice, simple, big, memorable framework, it's really applying that way of thinking across the board. I think it's a really great sort of mindset. It's also some formulas And it's also something you should be applying to measuring in the economics of your own business. So it applies in lots of different ways. I think one of the ways that it also implies is flipping around a cost-focused mindset, which ironically for more established entrepreneurs in this space, because there are so many costs in e-commerce, you know, moving atoms is, is harder than moving electrons, as they say, that you can get very focused on reducing costs. And whilst that is an incredibly important thing, the flip side of looking at the same situation can often be what's my return on investment and that's i think the difference is that it could be more of a growth mindset that's implied by that yeah there's an awful lot implied by this term and and i think there's just so much to dig into here yeah i love this topic as well the the thing that i think sparked my interest in this whole idea originally was when i was a full-time employee gotten a hold of the rich dad poor dad book robert kiyosaki his basic concept is that you've got to take earnings from anything, your job or whatever it is, and then start to invest it in creating assets that will pay you back. And the ROI logic of that, I think, is just the, the kernel of the idea is super important, is that you're never going to get real traction unless you figure out the methodology of making an investment, managing it, and then extracting value from it. And that basic concept in business is so fundamental, we almost neglect to talk about it. But it's just the kernel of the idea that changes our mindset from being just an employee somewhere where we don't have to think about these things to being the business owner where we say, hey, I'm going to risk it with a little bit of money, a little bit of time, a little bit of my efforts and energy on this concept. And I'm hoping to get an outcome from it. And that basic ROI 
thinking, I think, is so critical for people to really evaluate and think through. That's why I'm excited about this topic today as well. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, think he, I think he had a, a pretty good way, Robert Kiyosaki, of simplifying some important concepts down and, and making making very popular. I guess Tim Ferriss had a similar sort of function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Just before we dive into this, just in terms of one's relationship to it, if you are an e-commerce leader as opposed to an e-commerce manager, it's very easy to think, I'm going to grow my business by just doing more stuff, more management, more of the same we've just done. Whereas this way of thinking mm-hmm. is more about standing back and looking at your business as a whole and thinking about how you can engineer it into the business practices. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, we got three super strategies we're going to discuss. So do you want to share the first one of those with us? Sure. Yeah. The first one is to understand that this is your game to play and you get to define the rules. Now, this is a super strategy because it's really a whole set of strategies and ideas. And let me just unpack this idea for a minute, but, but I really want people to ponder this deep idea. This is, you get to decide. There's an old, I think it was a Chinese proverb. They say that before you start any game, decide on the rules and when you're going to stop type thing. And so here are a few kernels of the idea here about you defining the game that you're going to play. How much you're going to invest? What are you going to invest it into? How much return on investment or money you get back in addition to your original amount invested? Do you expect? How long are you willing to wait for that payday? Will you use debt to fuel the growth? And when are you going to stop playing the game? And all of these things are basic concepts that I think are really vital as we get to define and decide what the rules of the game are. And I'll never forget Jeff Bezos's initial shareholder letter, like in, in 1997. And he basically said to everybody, don't expect profit from this business anytime soon. They're going to be investing for growth. And he just laid it out and said, look, this is, we're not going to be, you know, generating net profit. We're going to be continuously scaling to dominate the space. So he was from the first letter he wrote to investors defining the rules of the game that he wanted to play. And he had obviously people get along uh, on board with him for that, that concept. So there you have it. That's the first super strategy. As I like to think about these things, what are your thoughts and reflections on those ideas? Wow. So much to say, but let me just keep it fairly simple. Um, to each point, then uh, maybe I can make a little point. The first was how much you invest. The obvious question is, okay, how much do you have? But if you prove to be good at what you're doing, you can probably get other people to invest with you as well. And that's one thing that people neglect. But in terms of just keeping it simple, how much you have to invest? One question is simply asset allocation. I would say that running an e-commerce business or any kind of business is a high risk, high reward type activity. If you haven't paid your own mortgage off yet and you have, you have no pension, then maybe you shouldn't even be doing it. If you have some kind of wealth and some kind of basic plan for retiring with not much money, but at least you get to eat, even if it's ramen noodles, then that might be the case to choose to allocate some of that to a high risk. And your age and your risk profile really are two factors to take into account there. So that's the first thing that strikes me. It's an asset allocation question within your life. You say how much you put into your Amazon business versus, say, having property, which a lot of people I work with have, and we have as well, a little bit of rental property versus a pension plan, cash for the next few years, that sort of thing. The ROI it, yeah. you expect is an interesting question, isn't it? I guess that yeah. will come down to which vehicles you pick, which is the flip side of what I was mm-hmm. just saying, which is if you want an aggressively high ROI, you're going to have to go for a model like um, creating a vehicle, like creating your own business as opposed to buying existing property. So there's a couple of immediate thoughts. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, you can get involved in retail arbitrage with 20 bucks in your pocket. Go to a garage sale, look for amazing new in the package items, put them on Amazon, and you're off to the races. And that's one of the value propositions of those entry-level models, retail arbitrage, garage sailing, online arbitrage. You can start with very humble amounts. And therefore, obviously, if you start with that humble amount, that's all you're risking. 
that plus your time. Mm. And so that's the appeal, really, I think, of some of the you know, entry-level business models. And there's nothing wrong with them. There are people who scale those to six and seven yeah. figures. And so they, and they can do it because they can in- incrementally invest. I think another piece of the rules that you want to define for yourself are one of the things that you want to ask yourself uh, about is how frequently do you want to make bets mm. on inventory purchases? Now, and here's, this is really important. If you make one big bet a year by buying a big container full of stuff from China in the late fall, so you can send it into Amazon for Q4, you're making a massive bet. But if you go retail arbitraging every day of the week and just send in those those small purchases, you're making hundreds of small bets. And I think that's really important to think through. Like, how frequently do you want to bet and what are you betting on? And it's, it is a bet. It is a gamble at it the is. heart of it. It's, and the more you can say to yourself, I know exactly what's going to happen, the less risk there is. If you know how the mouse trap springs shut, then it's not that big a risk. And so you want to think through what are you willing to risk or not? I think that's a key part of it. I know that you've got uh, that coming up, the risk reward thing, but you've already mentioned it because we, we talked about the last time. I think, yes, the you cannot avoid the risk reward question coming up. And I think where people go wrong is they're either overly aware of risk and don't enter the water at all, or they're over aware of reward, ignore it, and then just think about ROI as opposed Mm -hmm. to balancing the two out. Exactly as you just articulated, you could make a load of money quickly ROI over a short time, which is time is by the way, something that I come back to with uh, private label, or you could lose a lot of money quite quickly as well. And then with retail arb, it's less dramatic. So yeah, those are basically risk reward as opposed to ROI payoffs. One thing that you just brought up though, is really, I think that the word ROI, whilst as a basic concept is fine. If we're going to talk strictly about the the profit divided by the amount that you invested, that's what the usual ROI calculation is. Simple, easy to understand, easy to communicate, but it disregards time, which is ludicrous because if I put you know $100,000 into inventory now and it becomes, if it returns at 100% ROI, but it takes 20 years, that's not very attractive compared to 20 days. The thing, the solution is to use an annualist ROI figure formula. I'm not going to read out the formula on the podcast because it would sound a bit unmanageable. But for example, if you buy some stock in, say, January for $1,250 and sell it in August for um, $1,520, you've got a 20 21% ROI, but annualized, that's a 35% ROI, which is a lot more attractive than if it, it was the same ROI, but over two years. So I think we have to get that time component in, which is, for example, if you're comparing private label returns with an ROI retail arbitrage business, you would need to annualize things. So you're comparing apples with apples. So it's just a simple, but very important point because mm-hmm. most people just yeah. throw around ROI numbers with no time frame attached, which for yeah. me means it's meaningless. <laughs> you have yeah. to have a time frame. Is yeah, I, I would hear- say. Totally agree. And you hear a lot of people say stuff like, oh, what's your profit on that product or that that effort? And you'll hear people just throw out a number, oh, 70%. And a lot of times I always, it, and I've been doing this for, I have an MBA and I've been doing e-commerce for a dozen years. I still always ask people, what, do you, what are your basic numbers that you're using there? Or just ask them what their initial like numbers are that go into that. If, you, if you're in a situation where that matters. Now, if you're just having drinks or something and you're chit-chatting with people and they use phrases like that, you can't really be an inquisitor and kind of grill them on it. No, sorry. But as a coach, you know, when people say, oh, my my profit's 82%, I always say, what is the per unit numbers? And then how did you come to that? And time is certainly a consideration. And I think that's important to 
to realize that these nuts can thrown around arbitrarily. We can always have the same perspective. Absolutely. Small thing, Jason, I tried to put it on the chat, but you're showing me and but it's you talking. So we might want to I don't have control over that. Sorry guys, this is like the middle of the podcast realities here. There you go. It's up to you to control that because I can't control it at my end. And you're muted. Is <laughs> okay well? There you oh go. My. Okay, sorry. Okay, technical. <laughs> That's all right. Technical That's no problem. Yeah, a little technical challenge there. Yeah. So anyway, so we there was a anyway, it's a podcast. I know he's gonna hear that bit. Yeah. Good. Where were we? Yeah. So now just one thing, other thing that I really wanted to pick up on that you're very good sort of rules, you defining the game for yourself. The implication is you get to define your rules, which is a very American way of looking at life and very can do attitude. I would suggest that's great, but it needs to be within the context of probabilities of success. The longer you wait um, with a business, the more likely statistically mm -hmm. it is to die. I'm just sorry to say that, but we all know the, the, the statistics. However, we, two they are, 80% of businesses die within five years. Of the remaining ones, 80% die within the next 15. Yeah, Is that true? Those exact, I don't know. Is that a general mm -hmm. tendency? I think we can all say probably about. So there has got to be a, an accounting for the fact that the longer you wait, on the one hand, if your business keeps growing, if, which is a big if, then the bigger pay payday. But on the other hand, there is the fact that the longer you try and keep a business alive, let alone thriving, that the less probability there is that's going to happen. And it's can't not saying it can't be done. I've got several multi-generation uh, clients that I've worked with over the years. So it could definitely be done, but it's the exception rather than the rule. So mm -hmm. one of the things to think about is how easy is it to keep a business alive for three to five years and then sell it versus for 20, 30 years. And that's a thing that, that everyone has to weigh up for themselves. But I'm just flagging up as a factor. There's somewhat yeah. an external factor, not just a decision. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with the, just the basic sentiment of it. However, the optimist in me <laughs> is uh, more focused on the question is, why would those businesses fail? And if you get better and better at ROI logic at the unit level or the product level, then the question over the long term is not whether you can make a profit, it's whether you can make a business. Hmm. And I think businesses fail because people are bad at making businesses, bad at hiring, bad at facilities management, debt management, legal obligations, filing taxes, and partnership failures, on and on. There are a million reasons why a business can blow apart. But the kernel of a business is, can you make a profit at a per unit level? And the better you get at that, the more risk you take out. Like, like If you solve that problem, then all you've got to solve is all those other problems. <laughs> 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 yeah. you know, and I think that's a, an important way to look at it. And literally, yeah. as Robert Kiyosaki says, and I don't know why, I'm, I'm not a huge Robert Kiyosaki fan, but his quotes come to mind today. As he says, if a business fails after five years, who cares? Start another one and just keep starting them and learn as you go until you get to the point where you say, oh, I learned all the ways to fail. Now I know exactly how to run a business for the long term and it's really profitable. Yeah. And I, that's the mindset. I, that, and I guess that's the American optimism. Yeah, it's great. This, we naturally fall into that, which I think is a really useful <laughs> dynamic in any business. If you have a team of people that are all raving optimists, then yeah. you have a waterproof to your business plan. If they're all kind of pessimists or a bit too easily see the problems, they never get started. So yeah, I think it's hopefully a useful dynamic for people. The only yeah. other thing I would say is if a business fails and you're 60 years old, I mean, because talking about Kiyosaki, sure. like you, I'm not necessarily always a fan of his, but yeah. he, he could put some context very well. An age related well 
life stage question. It's not so much age, really, because you could retire at the age of 90. Like my grand land, old landlord invested in the stock markets for 60 straight years and retired at 90. Other people are retired yeah. at 60. But if you're close to retirement, you probably yeah. want a lower risk profile than if you're less. And define retirement and define whether you should or not. These are, again, personal questions. But I do think that Robert C. Kiyosaki did say something like, if you're going to fail in business, you want to try and do it before the age of 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, at the age of 47, I've less, got less time to build a new business than I would have had at 27. So Less interested in failure. There, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which doesn't mean that, that you have to yeah. be a pessimist. But it's just you got to think this stuff through for yourself. And I think sure. one... One thing that strikes me from this very conversation is if you're a born optimist, you make a plan that works for somebody who will, when the stuff hits the fan, go, don't worry, we'll figure it out. If you're more risk averse or worriers, I probably am naturally, hey, I'm, I'm the son of a lawyer and a teacher. I'm likely to have been trained from an early age to be worried about things. Then maybe the right business model for me would be more risk averse. And that's right for me. So I think it is in the end, as you said, a very personal decision. Hey there, folks. Thank you for listening to the first of two parts about our return on investment or e-commerce ROI uh, discussion. So ROI, on the one hand, a very simple concept with a very simple formula, which we didn't even mention, actually, which is the profit divided by the investment from something. So if you invest $100 into, I don't know, say you invest $1,000 into a very small amount of product consignment, and then you end up with $50 gross profit from it, and then your return on investment is 50%. So that's the simple version, which we didn't even mention because it's so often used. But as we've explored, there are many bigger options for thinking about it at a higher level, at a much broader level across all of your business. So today we just talked of one of the three principles that Jason has, which is it's your game to play. So define your rules. So very interesting. And I, and there was an interesting, optimistic American, more skeptical Brit sort of dynamic, which is always fun. And I think it's really great, as we said, in your team to have somebody who's a born optimist and some people who are a bit more skeptical to proof your um, business thinking and what comes out of it hopefully is um, both optimistic so you go for the opportunities but also proofed against some of the stuff that could happen so we talked about how much to invest return on investment that you expect and setting that expectation and how that relates to the type of vehicle you're using as well so within the amazon world there are lots of different things retail arbitrage online arbitrage wholesale private label which have different risk profiles and that's not even just within the amazon world never mind e-commerce broadly speaking so shopify versus amazon for example the the risks of those sales channels etc and then of course how long you're willing to wait for your payday and will you use debt to fuel growth really critical questions all of which really relate to risk reward as well as return on investment and we talked also about the annualized roi formula it's going to be a bit messy for me to try and put it across verbally so the best thing is to visit the blog theecommerceleader.com if you want to check that out don't forget as ever to give us the love if you're finding this useful i know some very good business thinkers out there that that seem to think this is very useful stuff and i'm very grateful some seven figure sellers that i know in the amazon world for example so if that's you please let other people know that by just leaving us a review in or even a rating on apple Podcasts. you can just tap for the five stars or however many stars you think we deserve and of course don't forget to subscribe on any podcast player so they get this stuff come to the top of your podcast inbox as it were ready for you to listen and to provoke you your thinking into becoming the best e-commerce leader you can be. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. 
It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.